This is Against All Enemies, a show about threats to American democracy. Political violence is on the rise. An alarming percentage of Americans believe they may have to take up arms against their neighbors. Some are already doing so. Against All Enemies highlights the activities of extremist organizations and their enablers. Our goal is to educate, not to alarm. The threats are real. But if we know what we are up against, together we can beat them. When President Trump says immigrants are poisoning the blood of our country, is that a statement you agree with? That, that's not language I would use, but, but I understand the urgency of President Trump's admonition. He's been saying this since he ran for president the first time, that we have to secure the border. And I think the vast majority of the American people understand the necessity of that, and I right. think they agree with his position. But that statement goes beyond what you are personally comfortable with. It, it's, it's not language I would use, but, but I understand um, that, Does that it sounds comes, hateful? Well, it's it's not hateful. So, Mike Breen, you are a combat vet, former Army Intel CEO of a human rights organization now. What do you hear when you hear the phrase poisoning the blood of our country? Where is that from? Yeah, I mean, Ken, the first thing I, I think as I watch the Speaker of the House you know, try to dance without a backbone in his back is just what a lack of moral courage, right? I mean, as former military officers, I mean, that that's just never going to stop being pathetic, no matter how many times we see politicians try to do that dance. Um, so, you know, on one level, you react that way. On another level, you kind of think about what we see around the world when extremist movements capture political parties and start to move toward capturing state power. Um, and you see this kind of thing. You see politicians afraid to offend, um, you know, a, a, an autocratic demagogue they're afraid of, whether that guy is in the room or not. They're performing for the audience of one. They're terrified that they'll be on the wrong side of a potentially violent movement. Um, and that's, you know, that's what I see when I see the Speaker of the House, when I see other uh, members of, of the Republican Party or what the Republican Party has become behave this way. I see fear and I see a pattern that we've seen around the world when, when you see these extremist movements capture power. And then when you think about it from a historical perspective and you think about other people who've talked about the poisoning of national bloodlines and that gets dark fast. You hate to break the Godwin rule, but I mean, that's Nazi talking points 101. Um, and it's, it's extremely dangerous. And it's not the first, second, third, 10th time uh, that the former president's done this. He talks about insects. He talks about vermin. He talks about polluting the bloodline. This is all straight 1930s fascist stuff. You want to see that stuff on yeah. posters? Go to the Holocaust Memorial Museum. I I have some of those quotes in front of me, but you just hit the uh, the highlights. Uh, Vermin talks about the media as the enemy of the people. Talks about the enemy within. Uh, all of these, some of them direct pull quotes from from Mein Kampf when he's talking about vermin in particular. You bring up a really good point about the fear in today's Republican 
leadership. We've always had political cowards in our in our political history, afraid of losing an election or afraid of going crosswise with a party leader or a president or someone like that. But something we haven't had in a very long time is real and legitimate fear of violence from one's own side. I don't think we stress that enough in conversations like this. It is a new kind of political cowardice when people are are actually afraid that that they might get killed. The fear you're talking about isn't just fear of losing one's political career. It's fear of being shot. Absolutely. I mean, we saw this when when Johnson tried to become speaker, right? You know, and he disavowed it. But you saw people, moderate, moderate Republicans, come out and say, you know, I was threatened, my family was threatened, my wife was threatened, people called my house and threatened to kill my family if I wouldn't support a particular guy for Speaker of the House. Um, and that's a case where the tactic backfired for a minute. But you can't ignore the general threat of violence. It hasn't tipped over into large-scale political violence yet, but it, it could. Um, and this is one of those things where you got to, again, you step back and you think about our experiences as, as military officers. Uh, you know, I, I fought in two different counterinsurgencies in Iraq and Afghanistan. One of the things you learn really early on is most of the violence in an insurgency, any insurgency is directed not against the enemy. It's against people who are theoretically supposed to be on your own side, who you think aren't devoted enough to the cause. Most of the violence is directed against supposed traitors, right? And so most of the death threats directed against supposed traitors within the Republican Party, the rhinos, the this, the that. I mean, these are the people that, that Trump talks about in the most violent terms from the podium. Um, that, again, it fits a pattern. I mean, none of this is new in the experience of dealing with extremist organizations and violence. It is recently, you know, it's new in the recent American experience. Um, and it's definitely not a road anybody wants to go down. That is another fantastic point, because when you... And apologies again to Godwin, except that he did say that his law against invoking the the Holocaust and Nazi Germany um, should be waived in the case of um, politics in America these days. That's how extreme it's gotten. We haven't asked Mike Godwin. He did. Um, And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to invoke that era in Germany's history when I... I make the comparison to the brown shirts because the first orders they got were to purify the party. It wasn't to go after um, the leftists or or communists or or anyone on the opposite end of the political spectrum. It was to purify their own movement, which is exactly what you're talking about when when you mention Donald Trump's most severe uh, violent provo- violence-provoking rhetoric being directed at the so-called traitors um, on his own side, the the rhinos. That's always step one. Definitely. And, and that brings us back to a lot of conversations you and I have had about the risk to our fellow veterans, right? Because a lot of those brown shirts were guys who'd served in uniform in World War One, and been fed the story that they'd been stabbed in the back by their own fellow Germans. 
Um, you know, they, they came home from a, from an armed conflict, didn't go the way that they'd hoped it would go. And, you know, they felt totally alienated. They needed a reason for what had happened to them. And they were handed that reason by, uh, <laughs> by the Nazis. Right. Um, and you see some of that same dynamic now too, where, you know, the experiences of, of our generation of vets in places like Iraq and Afghanistan is being chalked up to conspiracy theories about being stabbed from, from within, stabbed in the back at home. Um, and, and really darkly, this rhetoric about a polluted national bloodline and vermin among us and everything else. So it, it's almost verbatim, uh, you know, what we've seen in the darkest stuff I ever read in history class. Thanks for watching, everyone. I am trying something new, a Patreon page. It's a way you can support the show and make sure we can keep bringing you this content. My hope is that we can continue to limit the amount of ads we run here and that we can also build a community around this effort to fight back against extremists and their enablers. Subscribers to the Patreon page will have access to exclusive and ad-free content and also early releases. Please consider helping us out. Go to patreon.com slash Ken Harbaugh or click on the link below. We're just getting started with this, so your support early on will make a huge difference in building real momentum. Thanks so much for helping out. What is the effect of someone like Mike Johnson brushing aside a comment like that? Because we watch the videos and and you and I know what he's doing. He's trying to change the subject. He's trying as as quickly as possible to move on to his talking point. That is the most generous interpretation. But what happens when you're the third in line to the presidency, when you're given an opportunity to condemn a a Hitler quote and you blow it off and change the subject? What's the what's the downside? You legitimize it. Yeah. Right? You legitimize it. First thing my platoon sergeant said to me, right? I'm sure you had a similar experience. Hey, sir, the standard you walk past, the thing you walk past and don't say anything about is the standard you're setting for the unit. Right? I mean, that's a basic leadership for a 22-year-old officer. The Speaker of the House, I mean, he's he's legitimating. That's what happens every single time um, you have an evasion by a senior Republican on something like this. They're giving it legitimacy. What makes it so galling in the case of Mike Johnson, and, and I don't want to be too critical of piety in general, but in the case of Mike Johnson and a few of his peers in leadership in the Republican Party, they are the exemplars of political piety and and religiosity and Mike Johnson comparing himself in front of hundreds of people to America's Moses. And I just find it especially galling that the most religious people in at least Republican leadership these days are the slowest to condemn Donald Trump for clearly hateful incitements. Yeah, it really is shocking. I mean, it really is shocking. Um, and it's, You know, I don't, I don't want to get into issues of faith and question anybody yeah, else. Me neither. But it's, a, I mean, if, if, if faith does something for you, one of the most important things it's supposed to do is, is give you a moral anchor beyond the, the rush of human events and the pressures of, of, you know, the moment. Right. And I mean, what a failure in this case.
and in many cases. Um, yeah. That's it's clearly not working for him. Yeah. Well, it is heartening to me, and, and we'll end on this because I, I think it's a somewhat uplifting note to see how many grassroots faith groups are beginning to stand up and say, this doesn't represent our faith. I'm working with a Christian group that says this doesn't, this certainly doesn't represent the life that Jesus lived. Uh, we're going to tell that story between now and the election, and, and hopefully it changes some minds. I don't know if it'll change Speaker Johnson's mind, um, but uh, but hopefully it changes enough voters' minds. Mike, thanks as always for joining us. Thank you, Ken. Really appreciate it.